from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. It is the second hour of the show. I want to apologize to everybody who's listening right now. If you notice that my voice is a little bit scratchy, well, it is. In fact, they've got me broadcasting from uh, Cairo Studios North. I don't know if you guys knew they had Cairo Studios North, which is actually the studio they set up for me in my house so that if the occasion came up where I couldn't make it into the station because I was feeling a little scratchy, uh, I can actually just do the show from here. And so that's what I'm doing tonight. I hope you guys don't mind it. This is actually really nice for me. I'm actually just sitting in my office right now. It's late. I'm, all my kids are asleep, but I'm just down here having fun, hanging out with you guys. So uh, hopefully you're not noticing too much, and hopefully you don't mind that I'm a little bit scratchy. Some people think it actually makes me sound a little sexier, a little more dangerous, which is kind of nice. So for those of you who wanted that, you're welcome. All right, I'm going to play you this trivia clip. Uh, a lot of you got this on the text line. In fact, many of you got it, but uh, a couple of you did not. You did get the actors correct, so good job there. Um, let's see here. I'm going to play this clip, then I'm going to tell you who it is. Ready? Here we go. Number one rule of Wall Street. Nobody, I don't care if you're Warren Buffett or if you're Jimmy Buffett, nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. Least of all stockbrokers. Mm -hmm. right? It's all a fugazi. You know what a fugazi is? Mm -hmm. Fugazi. It's a uh, fake. Yeah, fugazi, fugazi. It's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's a fairy dust. It doesn't exist. It's never landed. It is no matter. It's not on the elemental chart. It, it's not real. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Not real. All right. So that, of course, is The Wolf of Wall Street. Those two actors, Matthew McConaughey. All right. All right. All right. And Leo DiCaprio. Never let go, Rose. Um, both great actors and directed by Marty Scorsese. Just a really fantastic movie and full of really good values. So if you're looking for a nice family film to watch, Wolf of Wall Street's one of those movies. That's a total joke. Don't watch that as a family. It is pure, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe this in a family-friendly way. It's not a family-friendly movie. Do not watch it as a family. Uh, it's crazy dirty, actually, the movie, but it is a true story. It's really fascinating. Tons of great actors in it. I think Kyle Chandler's in the movie. He plays an FBI agent investigating um, Leo DiCaprio's character who gets a little crazy. Um, you have Matthew McConaughey who's in the movie. You have Margot Robbie who's in the movie. You have Jonah Hill who's in the movie. A lot of great folks. Obviously, it did very well. Won a bunch of awards and Matthew McConaughey kind of stole that scene. So good for him. All right, let's get to it. On the news roundup, we like to look back and see what all the other shows were talking about. And then it gives us the opportunity to decide whether we agree, whether we disagree, or if we don't even, if we even care enough to comment, to be quite honest. On Seattle's morning news, let's see what they were talking about. After concerns popped up recently regarding toxins in Stanley beverage containers, Angela Poe Russell, who was filling in, reflects. Do you guys remember these Stanley beverage containers? Well, maybe she'll explain it in this, uh, in this clip. But if she doesn't, don't worry. I'll fill you in. American businessman Warren Buffett summed up what many of us know to be true. It takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. And I'll add, if social media is involved, even faster. Right now, the brand Stanley has a reputation to protect. It is on the defensive as more people have filed lawsuits accusing them of failing to disclose the presence of lead in their products. 
It was just late last year. I saw everyone with these stylish water bottles. They were skinny on the bottom, which solved the annoying problem of a water bottle not fitting into your car's cup holder. That made it practical and cute. And I would later find out these bottles had quite the story behind them. You see, Stanley, owned by a company based in Seattle, is a 110-year-old food and beverage container brand. Generations used and trusted their products, known for being durable. In 2019, Stanley had $70 million in revenue. By the end of last year, that number had jumped to $750 million. And then as 2024 was just getting going, a plot twist. News surfaced that the bottles contain lead, specifically in the sealing materials. Now, Stanley pointed out that all of it is covered in stainless steel, and it only becomes exposed if the cover on the bottom of the tumbler comes off. Stanley is reportedly working on future designs using alternative materials. You know, reputation repair is tough, but a brand like Stanley has a rich legacy worth fighting for. Their journey, a reminder that being trendy may be fun and lucrative, but only customer trust will ensure it's not fleeting. So this is about Stanley Cups. Um, the, the, they made a lot of, uh, I'm going to try to f- figure out something to say about these. Uh, they made a lot of headway when they had those big, was it a Starbucks promotion? Is that what it was? It was like a Starbucks promotion along uh, with, they were like pink cups or something in Target. And people were posting these videos trying to get these cups. And then they were selling them on the secondary market, on like the black market for 10 times what they paid for them. So they got really expensive and it became kind of a fashionable thing for people to carry around. Apparently they have lead and that's a bummer. All right, let's move on. Uh, G and Ursula, to be honest, I really don't have much else to say. Angela did such a good job in that clip detailing the story. There's just not much else to say. What I really like was that Warren Buffett clip. 20 years to build a reputation, five minutes to destroy it. That's certainly true. I've seen that happen many times. All right, let's move on. G and Ursula, do you judge others based on the type of car that they drive? Let's find out. I did see this beautiful, beautiful sports car being towed. And my immediate reaction was, who's you know, who drives that? What kind of person is that? I mean, I, so I would imagine that if I see a, a Tesla Cybertruck, which does, it'll get your attention. I'm going to guess that is a person who really needs a lot of attention. <laughs> So what you're saying is you judge people by what they drive. Well, I get judged by driving my Subaru Outback. <laughs> by here, G, yeah, not by, by anyone else. else. Yep, we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, to pretend that we don't. That's true. That's true. All right, so what's the exact question? What would be, so I can answer uh, It's largely men that are buying these. What would be your impression of a man you see driving around in a Cybertruck? <laughs> I'd say he's an Elon Musk sympathizer. <laughs> what does that mean? It means like, because I, for me, the whole Tesla, like anything with Elon Musk, I just. You soured on the man? I have long gone, long ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> long ago. What about so, a Cybertruck versus somebody that owned uh, a three wheeled sports car? Like a cross between a motorcycle and a Ferrari. Because G used to own one of those. I believe the car that he's referring to is called the Slingshot. I could be wrong about that, but those are actually kind of sweet looking. I mean, they catch your eye as well. They are. They're like two two big wheels in the front, one big wheel in the back, like a really big wheel in the back. And every time my sons and I see one of those, I'm like, man, that'd be fun. And the boys are like, yes, 
that would be really fun. Um, I really like Angela uh, Poe Russell. I really get along with her. We're we're uh, we're very friendly. I disagree with her about Elon Musk. I actually really like Elon Musk. I know that she said she's soured on the man, but I like him. The Tesla trucks are bizarre looking, really bizarre. They look like they come from another planet. It's like somebody up on Mars saw that we had trucks down here in the in on the world on Earth. That's where we're at. That we had trucks on Earth, and they said, "Here's our interpretation." of a truck or you know what it kind of looks like because you know how AI is just like a weird copy, but it always throws in something odd. Like if you say AI, make me a picture of a person juggling or something, what you won't notice is that AI has added an, a sixth finger because c- computers just are weird like that. They just do weird things. The Tesla truck looks like it was designed by AI, I think, but it's also kind of sweet because you can do all these really cool configurations with the Tesla truck. And if you get a chance, go and look at like the one that they have that you can get the config, like the off-road configuration for camping. It just looks really fun. And to the question of do you judge others based on the cars that they drive? Maybe when I was young, I would probably, and, and to be honest, like, I guess in like quick snap, snap judgment, if I'm sitting next to somebody in traffic and they're in a really ugly beater car and um, they have scratches all over it and maybe a dent on the fender, Am I going to get close to that? Am I going to feel like, all right, I should be aware of what that person's doing because they're likely, they're more likely than these people around me in really nice cars to end up having an accident with me. Yes, I'm probably judging that, but that's purely like I'm just trying to protect my own vehicle. I'm not trying to judge the driver. I'm just saying like, I'm assuming that person cares less about their car than somebody driving a really nice car. So I would I would give them a little space on the road. Um, so I guess that's as much judging as I would do. All right, Jack and Spike. Uh, let's see here. They talk about humanity and how enlightened they are. Let's just hear about it. I l- like to think that people, we as a human, as the human race, mm-hmm. that we are elevating discourse, that we okay. are advancing forward. As I learn as an individual, I believe that society at large is doing this as well. I think you well. have to look at that life that way. Yeah. Right. And then I'm reminded that this is not the case and that we now view things like reading and knowledge in the way that people at the turn of the century viewed it, which is that it's devil, devilry and witchcraft. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. It's like, I saw this video of this, it's a Trump guy, and he's being interviewed by somebody who shows this guy the Trump Truth Social post where Mm -hmm. Trump says that he was going to petition to suspend the Constitution. Right. And it's not doctored. It's totally real. Trump tweeted it out. It Mm -hmm. was written about extensively. People talked about it extensively. There was legal analysis of it. And this guy says, it's fake news. Don't believe it. Could have, that could have been made by anybody. Why do you make him Southern? Was he actually Southern? Is, this, is, that a, is that a choice or was he actually Southern? Anyway. That's what people said back in the 1800s about the written words. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe it. You're telling me that rain is caused by particles that gather together in the in the atmosphere? I don't believe it. Rain is when gods are crying because we sinned. Right. Because right. <laughs> the angels were fighting. You hear the, 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 all the... What, where are these harping on Southern people? Southern people are well-read, actually. Have you ever met a Southern person? Well read. Thunder, and that's him thrown around the clouds. <laughs> I say all that because diction is something that is being lost, unfortunately. Speaking, yeah. the ability to articulate ideas, the ability to form words and piece them together into a concept yeah. being lost on people. Well, the intelligence, or, well, that's not... 
I think people Ed, are getting stupider. Education is vilified. It's the elitists, the coastal elitists. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. We hear that a lot. You know what I would say, and this is a serious answer to this question. I actually don't think the humanity is becoming, uh, let's see, what's the question? It'd be nice to think the humanity has become more enlightened, but are we? Okay, that's the question that I have here in front of me. I actually think that humanity is the same as it has always been. I just think that we have now social media and we have things that elevate stupid voices. So back in the old days, if you were Socrates or Plato or you were Samuel Clemson writing a book, that's how you got ideas out. That's how you spread ideas around. But you had to actually like do something before people noticed what you were saying. Now, because of social media, you don't actually have to accomplish anything to be very well heard. And so I don't think humanity is getting dumber. I just think that the dumb people are getting louder. All right, John and Sherry, uh, what are they talking about here? A ferry driver. Oh, this is really interesting. A Washington State ferry driver had a really bad crash, but they have now gone back in and they've looked into it. I think King Five had this story. They have gone back in and looked at his past and his record, and they were like, listen, this guy had a bunch of red flags. Like, why didn't Washington State ferry system remove him from being a pilot of these boats a long time ago? He even had complaints by his own crew who tried to complain on him anonymously because they didn't want to, you know, be put into the firing line for, you know, uh, ratting out one of their own. John and Sherry talk about it, and then we'll talk about it. It's a mess. The whole ferry system is a mess. And they find out that this one guy that was driving the ferry that crashed into the dock, was he watching the, the instruments there, Sherry, as he was coming in, or was he counting sheep? Well, he probably was counting sheep because this is the story. They found out that he had been reprimanded in 2018, 2020, and 2021 for sleeping, falsifying records, mm -hmm. and lying to management. And ah. so this guy, uh, he resigned immediately after the accident that happened with, with him and the ferry. It cost $7 million dollars. In, in just replacing and doing all that. They missed about 10,000 sailings as a result of this. And the pictures of this too. Like if you get a chance, you can go online and find these pictures. Crazy. Crazy. I cannot believe that somebody wasn't killed in this crash. They show a car because like the ferry slams into one of these, I think they call them dolphins. I could be wrong about that. Maybe Sherry will get to that in a second. But they hit one of those big upright wood things that sticks out, kind of like a bumper for the boat to bump into. Uh, so they crash into one of those things and the side of the boat just collapses down on this car. Amazingly, nobody died, but I'll let Sherry continue. Uh, he'd been there mm. 37 years and just yeah. decided that day to let it all go. Well, he's asleep at the wheel, <laughs> right? Yeah. He slammed into the thing. God bless those people that have ferries back and forth. The same boring route back oh. and forth and back and forth. Ay, 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 ay. And as pretty as it is, I recommend it for people that are bringing visitors in from somewhere else. Go see Seattle at night as you're coming back in from like Bainbridge. It's absolutely gorgeous. You watch as you come in there and all the lights and it really is fun. But uh, I'm, I mean, listen, he fell asleep a couple of times. They kept him on. Maybe they talked to him about it, but. He, how many times did he fall asleep? He woke up just in time to roll some noise. Oh, I'm a little close to the dock. <laughs> Seven million dollars. Yep. We have to take that out of your pay. <laughs> it's coming After out of your 4, pay. After 4,000 years. <laughs> you know, the other problem here is they, they mentioned that uh, because the boat was injured, 
and out of commission that they missed 10,000 sailings, which means that all of the other boats have to try to make up the slack for that. And they're never going to be at full capacity because they're down so many boats all the time. They have all these issues with the boat. It's a, it's a, it's an aging fleet. That is what they say their, their primary issue is right now. It's an aging fleet. Some of these boats are 60 years old. They run them forever. They, they really do run them into the ground. So I appreciate that they do that, but they didn't plan well. Whoever ran the Washington State Ferry System, and I think they actually recently uh, quit the job and have since moved on, they did not run that system very well because you need to plan for down the road. It's going to take years before there's any new boats available because they're so incredibly huge and difficult to build. And we also had a, a state law until recently that you couldn't even build the boats outside of Washington State. They were trying to keep that money in state, which makes sense. I understand that completely. But they didn't do a good job of finding a builder in state. So now they're saying, all right, we're going to be willing to actually talk to other builders around the country and get these boats built. I have had to wait so many times for these boats. Either they were down a boat because of engine failure, engine problems or something. Or like happened to me two weeks ago when I was trying to go see my in-laws over the weekend who live out near Port Townsend. They missed a couple of boats because they said there was a crew shortage. They just didn't have enough people. That's an easy one to fix. Hire enough people, at least for the boats that you do have working, which is crazy to me. We did these stories earlier in the year where they were saying, hey, you know what? Watch the state ferry system. It's down to about two-thirds capacity because they should have 21 boats that are running. They're running at like 14, sometimes as little as 12 when stuff like this happens. So they, that's a massive problem that that the, the system has. They need to fix that. And I mean, some heads need to roll. They just need to fire. Just go in and just fire randomly at the Washington State Ferries and just get people scared so they start doing their jobs better. That would be my recommendation. Now, again, I've never run a ferry system. I don't know if that would actually work, but couldn't hurt. Couldn't get any worse than it is now. All right, we got a lot coming up. Um, Mark Zuckerberg has a very interesting life. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that and... Gavin Newsom was on Meet the Press. He said some also some uh, some stuff about Biden's age. He's very excited about Biden's age. I'm going to let Gavin Newsom tell you about that. We have all that coming up when we come back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scoreheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I am your host, Jake Scoreheim. All right, I saw this article earlier, and I was kind of fascinated by this because, you know, the rich, they're not like us. They live different lives. They have access to different things. You guys know who Mark Zuckerberg is. He is the creator of Facebook. He owns now Facebook slash Meta. I guess it's called Meta also. He's very, very rich, like very, very rich. He's worth $173 billion dollars. Uh, let's see, uh, this article from, uh, Daily Mail kind of details some of this it says Mark Zuckerberg lives a life that is far from ordinary, not just because of his extreme wealth, but also because of his eclectic taste in activities. He's 39 years old and he just posted a video of himself, um, on Facebook of him creating, I'm sorry, on Instagram, which Facebook also owns of him working on and creating a, uh, actual katana which is a it's like a small sword think of like a uh, samurai sword but it's called a katana so this is what it sounds like for mark zuckerberg this is how he lives his life yay 
So that's him creating a sword with Japanese sword master uh, Akahira Kokaji. Uh, Zuckerberg was in Japan to meet with the Japanese prime minister, talking about artificial intelligence. He was also there to celebrate his wife's birthday. She just turned 39 as well. Happy birthday. In addition to sword making, Zuckerberg also spends his time caring for his rare herd of cows that have a very interesting diet. So he owns this massive estate in Hawaii, like this huge luxury estate. So uh, worth about a hundred million bucks. And he has a herd of cows that he feeds. And apparently they eat, uh, they drink beer and they eat macadamia nuts. I don't know if that does anything to the meat. Uh, sounds pretty great. I like that diet as well. So I approve of what his cows are eating. Um, he is also an MMA fighter. I didn't really, I don't know if you guys knew that, but he trains and he has a bunch of MMA fighting. So he's just into a lot of interesting things. Cause you got a good life. You got a good life. You got a good life. Um, all right. Speaking of good life, Gavin Newsom, he was on meet the press recently and he was asked about president Biden. He says, listen, Biden's led a good life. That's why we should be so lucky to have him for a second term as president. Uh, now, all the polls are showing that most folks are very concerned about Biden's age. In fact, that's their main concern. They say more than, more than the economy, more than the border, we are, and those are very big issues. Don't get me wrong. People really care about the economy, and they really, really do care also about uh, what's going on at the border right now. But they all said they're very nervous because they think if Biden gets elected into his second term, he would be 86 if he somehow manages to live through his second term. And a lot of people think that, well, if you're just looking at the actuarials, Biden is already uh, past his prime. And the average adult male in the United States lives to be about 77. Biden is already right now 81. So he's already kind of, I wouldn't say he's on borrowed time. I mean, rich people, especially politicians, tend to live longer. So he may have a few years left in him. But Gavin Newsom says, no, he's not too old. In fact, he is a gift to us. And so, no, from my humble perspective, not only the last three years have been extraordinary, I've been out with, as you know, on the campaign drive. I was just out in California. I've seen him up close. I've seen him from far. But here's my point. It's because of his age that he's been so successful. It's because of the wisdom and the character that's developed over years that we have the Chips and Science Act, the Infrastructure Bill and the PACT Act and the Safer Communities Act. And because we've seen these bipartisan accomplishments because of his capacity of understanding. I'm going to pause it there real fast. So Biden actually used to be a really, um, I wouldn't say he was super sharp. I don't know if he ever had a reputation for being the, the smartest guy in the room, but he was dogged. And when I say dogged, he was uh, confrontational. When a reporter would ask him a question, there's all these videos on YouTube of young Biden. Just like, go look up young Biden and reporters. He had, he had a fire, right? He had some fire in his spirit. And I think people really like that about him. But he has obviously lost a bit of that, as you hear him talking now as a much older person. And so people are asking the question, they're saying, listen, like cognitively, can he even do the job? If he gets the job again, can he even do the job? Because of his leadership. So the opportunity to express that for four more years, what a gift it is for the American people. And as a Democrat, what a gift for me to make the case for the leader of our party, Joe Biden. What a gift because, you know, of his age. It's because of his age that he's been so successful. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to Anyway, I'm, we're going to get a lot done. We're going to get a lot done. What a gift it is for the American people. What a gift it is for the American people. All right, so here's the thing. It's going to be interesting because 
we're going to have to see at some point. We're going to have to see whether or not Biden really is with it or if this is just like all of the criticism that he gets because of his age and all of the criticism that he gets because every time we're taught, we see any press that he does, it's always outside of an ice cream parlor and he's holding an ice cream cone. Yesterday, I think it was maybe two days ago, he was speaking about the, you know, what's happening right now, the crisis in the Middle East, about the war in the Middle East. And he was asked about that. And he was asked like, all right, well, what's going to happen between Israel and Gaza? And he's sitting there trying to talk about it, but he's got a big, you know, he's got a big scoop of Rocky Road in his hand and people just don't take that seriously. And so we're going to have to get to the point at some point, And I would think it would be semi soon, although maybe it's not, maybe it just doesn't happen until right before the general election when he's going to have to be up on a stage. Trump's going to have to be up on a stage because it'll probably end up being be uh, Trump from the GOP side. Cause he's crushing obviously. Um, it's going to be the two of them and we're going to all sit there and make a judgment and we're going to listen. Maybe they're both kind of out of, I mean, they're both old, like they're both not young men anymore at all. Uh, but we will see if Biden has what it takes. Newsom was actually asked that as well on this meet the press. He was asked like, do you think Biden should actually uh, debate Trump? Because there has been some speculation that these guys just aren't going to debate because a lot of folks say like, well, they've already debated once. Actually, they've already debated, I think three or four times last election. And Biden won. So why would he debate him again? Gavin Newsom says, no, he should 100 percent debate Trump. Trump says he's ready to debate Biden right now. Should President Biden debate? Of course he's Trump? not. I mean, he, uh, but should President Biden debate Biden Trump in the general? Biden Trump in the prior debates? I look forward. I mean, this is a guy, okay. by so the that's way, that's yes? just pure, 100 okay. percent, pure projection on a guy who refused to debate in his own primary. Back to my point, weakness masquerading as strength. Weakness masquerading as strength. Uh, Trump was on the Dan Bongino show uh, just a couple weeks ago, and he said, yes, I want to debate Biden. Of course I want to debate Biden. The American people deserve to see me debate Biden. Biden was then asked about Trump saying he wants to debate him, and Biden had this to say. Biden is also coming out of a boba tea shop this time. He's ready to debate you right now. Do you accept? He's going to debate on radio. He's going to me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Will you debate I, him? If I were him, I'd want him to debate me too. He's got nothing else to do. <laughs> He's got nothing else to do. All right. Um, I wonder what kind of boba tea that was. It looked pretty tasty. All right. We got a lot more coming up on the show, including there is a shop in San Francisco that had to do something pretty drastic because they were being broken into so many times. I'm going to play you that audio next. This is not the way you want to shop. But also, is it the way you want to shop? All right. We're going to play that when we come back. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scoreheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. All right, I want to play you guys some audio. You guys know how tough it's been lately for businesses, especially in big cities. Businesses have been really hurt badly by shoplifters who just come in and demand your money. We talked to a guy just maybe two weeks ago, that machete-wielding shop owner down in Tacoma, who he, he had a very fortunate outcome to a very bad situation. There was a guy who reached across with a knife, demanded the money in the register, and he said, you think that's a knife? This is a knife. And he pulls out a machete that he keeps in the back of the, uh, in the, underneath the counter. 
you don't want to do that. You want to try to just get out of there safely. And I'm glad this shop owner didn't get hurt. And I'm glad that the guy who had the knife didn't have anything else and things didn't escalate. In fact, the guy who had the little knife got out of there pretty quick. In fact, he fell on his back, scared to death. So good job for that shop owner for defending his shop and defending his, you know, his way of life. This is what the guy does to make money for his family. And he wanted to protect that. I don't, I don't have any problem with that. I just, you know, be safe. But all of that to say, it's really, really difficult for these shop owners because there has been so much theft that's happening. Listen to this story down in San Francisco in this little town. I'd never heard of this, but this is part of San Francisco. Apparently it's called Cow Hollow. Have you guys heard of this? There is a shop in Cow Hollow that has been hit so many times that they had to take some kind of drastic measures. And what they decided to do literally was to block the entrance so that customers, good customers, not just robbers and thieves, good customers could not get into the store without first having to check in at a desk. And then the person at the desk would help you find whatever you were after. Uh, KRON4 News in San Francisco has a story. Check it out. For a few hours every day, this is what you'll find entering Fredrickson's Hardware and Paint in Cow Hollow. The table alerts customers to wait for assistance at the door, a move that's being attributed to, quote, rampant shoplifting. It's pretty bad. I mean, the uh, dollar amounts are pretty significant. And with the tools, and now we're getting snatch and grabs where they come in and take hold displays. So it's getting kind of dangerous for the employees and the customers. Store manager Sam Black says for two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening, an employee will work with an individual customer. The table serves as a way to keep potential thieves from moving freely in and out of the store. We just want to make it uncomfortable for the thieves so they go somewhere else. Black says over his 24 years of working at Fredrickson's, the theft is the worst it has ever been. Staff has had to drill down pots and pans to keep shoplifters from swiping them. They've also had to put... These pots and pans they're describing, these are like those big cast iron pots that you might use camping. I actually cook on one of those every day. I really like the way that they... Uh, I, I just... I like the way they cook. So I use one of those every day to make my eggs and uh, I cook with it in my house. They're really, really heavy. And so what they do is, and they have this like kind of like little hole built into the um, built into the handle there. So they literally just hang these things from wooden boards across the back of the store. They drill through them so somebody can't just run up and grab them. Because, you know, a secondary market, those are pretty expensive, actually. So you could sell those for some good money. And they're really dangerous. Like you could use them as a weapon if you wanted to. Um, so I hope people aren't doing that. But yeah, like can you imagine how tedious to go to, into a shop like this, anytime you want to get anything, you want to get some screws, you want to get some nuts, you want to get a, a, a washer, you got to talk to a, a salesperson first and be like, yeah, here's what I need. Here's exactly what I need. They're probably looking you up and down, making sure that you're not a thief. And then they're saying, all right, I'll walk you back. We'll get it together. Put in locking systems to keep people from pocketing tools and other household hardware. One customer telling Cron4 off camera that the situation is just sad. Yeah, people aren't happy. The regulars just, um, they can't believe it. Like, we can't believe it, but, you know, they've been really understanding. Black says he and his staff had to try something because they had not much success getting help from city leaders or the police. At this point, the one-on-one -on -one shopping experiment has been going on for three weeks. Black says they'll review the results after a month. Just had to do something. Pretty crazy story. Unfortunately, a pretty common tale these days. I mean, I have talked to business owners who are suffering this exact problem. 
Jason Ranch just did this really great story. You guys should check it out on his site. Uh, he, Jason Ranch, the Jason Ranch Show, 770 KTTH. They just did a story about a, a restaurant locally that had been broken into 23 times. You can't do business in a city like that. It doesn't care enough to keep the streets safe and to keep these people away from the businesses. Who do you think props the town up? The small business owner. They're the ones who employ everyone. They need to be protected, and we need to do a better job of protecting them in places like San Francisco and in places like Seattle. All right, uh, we got a lot more coming up on the show. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. <laughs> 